Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expect a Miracle podcast. I'm your host, Richard Roberts. Each week, I bring you an outstanding guest from the United States, Canada, and even other nations around the world. And today, very, very special guest, Bishop Bill Hammond of the Christian International Ministries, headquartered in beautiful Santa Rosa Beach in the panhandle of Florida, one of the great areas of country. Bishop Hammond, God bless you, and welcome to the podcast. Amen. It's good to be here. Praise God. Good to be with you today. You, Thank you so God's much. God's on the throne. Even though we're getting older, we're getting with this new technology. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was telling a, a bishop earlier, I think that one of the only great things I can think about the pandemic is it woke a lot of us Christians up uh, that we can do Skype and Zoom and go all over the world without having to go there. So that's a good thing. Uh, bishop, uh, what, at what stage of your ministry did you realize that God was going to use you in the prophetic ministry? Well, when I was 19 years old, I received a personal prophecy when I was at Bible college, and they prophesied all the characteristics of a prophet. But back in the 50, back in 54, 53, uh, back in then, uh, they wouldn't, they didn't have dare call anybody a prophet or apostle. They weren't, you know, nobody believed there were apostles and prophets in the church until 1948 when the restoration movement came and they got the revelation that there's still apostles and prophets in the church. And uh, they started teaching that, but none of them would take the title. And when this, these people had gone up to uh, North Battleford, Saskatchewan, Canada, where the move of God had come, that total restoration of prophets and apostles, to see how they did this laying on the hands and prophecy called prophetic presbytery. And they came back and announced they were going to have a, prophetic presbytery, and everybody would fast three days and three nights, they would, uh, make, they could be candidates to receive. So 80 of the young people, I was 19 at the time, most of us between 17 and 25, we all fasted and prayed. And that night, they, they got up there and got in the huddle and prayed. They looked out and they called out this old man. He must have been 41 years old, I think. <laughs> <laughs> when you're 19, that's old. Now it's young. And uh, they prophesied over him and, and his calling and ministry and anointing and then sealed it. And, and, and he had to kneel in a chair and, and, and sit him back. Then they looked back and I was from Emeryville, Texas at the time when I went to Bible college. So they said, Texas, come on up. I was doing congregational prophesying, but not laid on the hands of prophesying. And they called me up and prophesied over me. Then had me stand and prophesied. And they prophesied all the characteristics of the prophet, but they didn't have the faith to say, a fivefold ministry prophet. They can call you a pastor, teacher, evangelist, but they didn't have the faith to call a personal prophet. And about two years later, a couple came through after I started pastoring, and they prophesied to me that God had called me a prophet of the end times. And uh, that that started me out on my journey. And I pastored six years, evangelized three, taught in the Bible College five, and then built Christian National Undergraduate and Graduate Bible College. And, uh, and uh, from 68 on, and, uh, uh, you know, during that time. But all that time I operated as a prophet. I never was, uh, never was a real pastor or evangelist or teacher. A teacher I taught in Bible college. I did those works, but my main calling was that of a prophet. And then in 1973, God released a divine supernatural flow of the prophetic through me to where I prophesied that night over 85 people. And a few nights later, I prayed for... God released again, prophesied over 150. After that, every week, I was prophesying over 100 to 500 people a week, everywhere I went and continued. And over the last 68 years of my ministry, I've prophesied over 
75,000 individuals from kings of nations and presidents to babes in arms and farmers, anybody. And, um, and, and then, then in 80, 82 and 83, God told me about the company of prophets that he was raising up to prepare the way mm -hmm. and make ready a people for the coming of the Lord. I remember that. Like John the Baptist, one prophet, was called to prepare the way for Jesus to come of the Messiah. Jesus was raising up a company of prophets and apostles to prepare the way and make ready a people for the coming uh, second coming of Christ. And he's not coming back to get beat up on or to be crucified. He, he died once under sin. He's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's coming back to be over everything and show his lordship. But he needs a people to prepare the way and fulfill scripture. See, in 1948, uh, God got the revelation on Acts 3.21. And anybody that's in restoration of memorized, Acts 3.21, Peter said, Jesus is held in the heavens until, until, until the restoration of all things right. which God has spoken by the mouth of all his prophets since the world began. And so he, he's held in the heavens and that happens. So he said, I'm raising up the company of prophets to finalize prophetic scripture and fulfill all things so he can come back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. And so I began to write the book on prophets and personal prophecy, uh, describing all about prophecy and prophecy. And then when the prophetic movement was birthed in 1940, 1988, I was in a meeting in 84, an old prophet prophesied to me. He was 64. I was 48 then, but he's a young prophet now. But uh, uh, he prophesied to me, he, says, he said, Bishop Hammond, he said, in five years, there's going to be a move of God take place at your conference that's going to affect the church world. Well, that was four years later. The prophetic movement was birthed on October the 15th, 1988 at a conference. I preached on them sovereign move of God and preached that God was raised up a company of prophets. At the end, I had everybody come forward. We started praying and the Holy Spirit swept in our intercessory prayer. We started interceding and our power of God was moving on me. And I just felt like I was about to pass out, was interceding, praying. And suddenly God caught me up in the heavens and Jesus came walking up to me and handed me this baby. He says, this represents the company of prophets that I'm raising up. Will you take a fatherhood responsibility to help me raise them up to be the kind of prophets I want them to be? I said, yes. And uh, so that was the beginning. And that's when I, that's what's one reason people introduced me as a father of the prophetic movement around the world, because I took a father in a role. Well, if you're going to take a father in a role, you're not just going to demonstrate the prophetic. you got to reproduce it. So I started writing the book on prophets and the prophetic movement to prove there are prophets and they are capable of doing a lot of things more than what people allow them to be. And the fivefold ministry and the whole thing. And I wrote the book, Prophets and Prophetic Movement. And then in 83, we started training people in the prophetic. Like my son and, and daughter, Tom and Jane Hammond, they were just in their 20s when I started training them now. Jane is right now in Columbia, South America, preaching to 10,000 kind of, kind of, at the kind of Tracy's, I mean, um, I forget the name, but the uh, church. And, and they're anointed and they're moving in it. But I had to start, God said, start training and reproducing. Because this same prophet said, I'm giving you a special anointing to be a reproducer of reproducers who will reproduce reproducers. And, 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 and the Lord said, after I 10 years, I traveled doing all this. He said, now stop and take time to start retraining, reproduce yourself. So I started training in 83 and we and started training now over the, uh, I wrote a book of 300 page manual on 
on training people in prophetic ministry, how to hear the voice of God, how to minister, how to fulfill personal prophecy. Then we started training people. I had to write the book on prophets, pitfalls to avoid, and principles to practice because I found saints are like a bowl of cereal. Sometimes there's some nuts and flakes. (laughs) (laughs) And people started responding in all kinds of weird ways. And so we had to give guidelines how do we, how do you prophesy? How do you how do you do it? I know what situations, what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad, and on and on. And so I gave these pitfalls for the prophets to be aware of and principles to practice. And nineteen questions and answers, crucial questions and answers on the prophetic. And so that was called prophets. Uh, principles to practice and pitfalls to avoid. Many, many people, many Christians are scared of the prophetic because yes. they are afraid that God will reveal something to them that they don't want to know or that yes. they, it will injure them in some way. But the exact opposite is true, isn't it? Right, absolutely. You know, in 1989, your dad came and preached at our conference in, in Atlanta, Georgia. I remember. And he he got there the night that I was going to speak. And instead of just staying at the hotel, he came to the meeting. And I preached on the company of prophets and the restoration of apostles and prophets. Well, he said to me, it's the first time he had heard that they were being restored and then were to have them. And I've noticed after that, he started talking about apostles and prophets yes. and the need of apostles and prophets. And he wrote the, uh, several commendations in my, some of my books after that. And we got to know each other fairly well. And um, he, he, was a, he was just a good old country boy like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, good old country boy. Weren't you born in Oklahoma? Yes, I'm born and raised in Oklahoma. Well, I knew there was something about you I like, Bishop. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little old boy. Old Bishop, do you remember? Do you remember the first prophetic word that God gave you, or the person that you gave it to? Well, before I knew about prophecy and prophetic, we were getting ready with a group of young people who was going to drive to Oklahoma City uh, from Amarillo, Texas, uh, to a big conference, and for young people to. And uh, it was snowing, and the snow was getting heavier. They didn't know what to do. And I heard the, I heard the Lord tell me, he says, it's, it, you can't make it, wait two days, and then you have, you'll see that you need to go back or go forward. And so, but I didn't, I didn't know to give it, so what to do. So I didn't give it. So we did get to going up to Miami, Oklahoma there, and got up the hill. They couldn't get up the hill. They run into my car, being it in. And now I learned my first lesson there. But my first time to ever, boy, well, first person, I started prophesying over, when I started teaching in the Bible college, they still had a 11th and 12th grade there. And uh, I taught on public speech in the, in the Bible, in the high school kids. And they were 70, and I prophesied, well, I remember one, one particular uh, young lady I prophesied to, and she was kind of short, freckle-faced, red, red-headed, uh, pretty and built nice, but couldn't play the piano, couldn't sing, not typical preacher material, you know, pastor wife material. And God promises you're going to marry a preacher and you're going to uh, travel around the world with him and you're going to be blessed, et cetera. Well, a few years later, I would preached and prophesied to this young man in Bible college. His name was David Cook. And uh, uh, he um, ended up marrying her. And uh, it was that he was holding a revival in Sacramento where I stopped that time in 1983. And that's where that sovereign move of God came that I prophesied endlessly. And uh, he ended up marrying her. And that was back in 1965. Praise and God. that was way back there, you know. And uh, But um, 
it took a while before you see the, the the early move of God that believed in laying on the hands and prophecy, they did not believe in the ministry of the individual prophet. Mm-hmm. It had to be prophetic prosperity. You get two or three pastors together or ministers and you have them fast and pray, got to kneel in a chair, lay hands on you and bless you. And but they didn't see the individual prophet. So when they heard that I was prophesying over people by the hundreds. And without making them fast three days and three nights and, and have to go through inspection and evaluation, they thought I was going to help their skeleton. But I, I, God sovereignly moved them to do it. But now we've, I wrote that 300 page manual on ministry and spiritual gifts, manual teaching. And now we have affected over a half a million people that we know of around the world in every nation. There's 34 churches in China that's taking the training. And there's a Bible college in Northern Russia, one in Southern Russia Praise that God. they're training people. And then far as I know, every nation they're taught and trained. We reproduce, reproduce, reproducers, or reproduce, reproducers. A lot of the prophets are good demonstrators, but they're not reproducers of the prophetic, but they're good demonstrators of the prophetic. But God called us to be demonstrators. So we've raised up a whole company of prophets and prophetic ministers and prophetic people. You represent uh, and, and oversee uh, hundreds of churches and ministries, thousands of them around the world. Isn't that right? Yeah, 4,000 around the world, 1,000 in the United States. 1,000 yeah. in the United States. Uh, Bishop, what do you see happening? What do you believe God is saying to people today? And here we are in the situation in the United States, and uh, we see what's happening in Ukraine, and we see the move of God against uh, against, uh, or excuse me, I should say, the move of people against the move of God. What do you yeah. see happening today in this world? Well, right now, we're in what we call the third reformation. Uh, the first reformation was the birthing of the church, establishing of the church, and, and uh, taking it to the ends of the earth. That took three or 400 years. And then we went through the dark age. In 500 AD, the church went into apostasy and fell away like Peter said it would, Jesus said it would, and Jude said it would. And then for 500,000 years, we have what we call the dark age. History calls it that, secular calls it, and church, it was dark age. And the only two churches that represented Christianity was the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox. And they lost all of the New Testament experiential truths of being born again, speaking in tongues, worship, praise, prophecy. All that we do today was lost. And God started the process to restore. And then 1500 started the Second Reformation. And the Second Reformation was to restore back to the church, back into the church. Everything was lost. The devil stole or dead during that dark age. And Martin Luther was a man of God, the prophet of God, the apostle of God that got the revelation that you're saved by grace through faith. And that's not of yourself, it's a gift of God. And it's the blood to cleanse you from all sin, not the Pope, not Mary, not somebody else, but only Jesus can save. And he started preaching that and teaching that in the university. And, uh, you know, you, there's hundreds of books written on Martin Luther, but eventually they called him to defend his cause and they wouldn't listen to him and said, you're a heretic. We don't have to listen to you. And they tried to kill him, but he escaped and began to write pamphlets and books and preach on it. And eventually from that, what we call the Protestant movement was birthed. And of course, the Lutheran church developed from Luther's teaching. John Knox went to Scotland, started teaching the Presbyterian church. Then Kramer went to uh, England, and we had the Church of England develop, which is Episcopalian in America here now. And, and every move of God established denominations to carry on that truth and maintain that truth. Then in 1600, God restored water baptism by immersion back into the church that uh, had been taken away because all the 
Presbyterians and Lutherans still sprinkled, Catholics sprinkled, but the Baptists, Anabaptists that came up at that time, they believed in inversion. Then in 1700s, you had the wholeness movement with uh, John Wesley and the Wesleyan Methodists and all those about 200 wholeness churches sprung up, preaching sanctification, born again experience, water baptism, and filled with the Holy Spirit, but not speaking in tongues. In 1800, A.B. Simpson, a Presbyterian preacher, uh, went to the doctor. The doctor said, you're going to die in three months. He said, well, if I'm going to die in three months, I'm going to die full of the Word of God. And he started saturating himself in the Word of God, the revelation that healing is in the atonement, the same as forgiveness of sins. Now, nobody taught that or believed that. They thought God wasn't concerned about this body because it's going back to dust. Only the spirit. And but he started preaching and he had healings and miracles, signs and wonders. In fact, they went overseas and started preaching to faithful and foreign nations that when you get saved, God wants to deliver you from every demon, heal your body. And they preach it, and people would get healed, blind eyes would open, their fears would stop. I mean, miracles. You got books and books written on miracles. Then in 1900, we had the Pentecostal movement where God restored yes. the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's gift to the individual is the divine ability to pray in the language of the Spirit. And he invested that into the Pentecostals. But the Pentecostals mainly saw it as evidence that you were baptized on the right. ghost, whereas the Methodists said it was yeah. shaken or by initial evidence, sanctification, all these other things. But now, but they just, but they didn't get it much beyond evidence. So that, that that was the main thing they restored. Then they started raising their hands, clapping their hands, dancing in the spirit, and doing all this. And then, then in 1947-48, we had the two moves of God. What had deliverance evangelism, where Or Roberts was used to lay on of hands and healing, and, and uh, Tila Osborne went to the nations and mass healings, praying for mass healings. William Branham was used to word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and healing, and about hundreds of evangelists rose up at that time. And there was stadium mediums and mediums on South America. Hundreds and thousands were saved, full of the Holy Ghost, great meetings. And people started believing in divine healing. And I started laying on our hands for him. I think your dad told us he laid his hands on over a million people. I know when he came to our place, he said his rotary cups were worn out. Yeah, and right. uh, that he just held his hand out and let people pray for him. And as he went around in amongst so he after he got through us being prophetic Thursday, man, I feel like I could promise over everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he got among the prophets like and he felt sure. like prophesied. And uh, so that was a great one. But at the same time in May. Uh, and uh, 1948, uh, February, February 48, there was a great move of God in Saskatchewan, Canada. Several Pentecostals got together seeing God. And God spoke to this one man and said, go pray, prophesy to that brother. So I said, God, we don't do that. We don't, we don't just prophesy to an individual. We prophesy to the congregation, but we don't do that. We, we don't. And then God said, do it. So he went ahead and did it. Then he did another one. And that shook everybody up, and it so shook them up that they took three days off to search Scripture to see if there was on scriptural ground. And they found out Paul did say, Timothy, stir up the gift of God, yes. which is in thee, with the laying on of my hands. And, and he said, another place, he says, stir up the gift. And, and he says, remind yourself and neglect not the gift that's in you, which was given to you by the laying on of hands and prophecy. So they saw laying on of hands and prophecy was a biblical experience that was not in the church at that time. And so they accepted it and started teaching and believing. But they got where they made a 
they got where they got where they put it in a box, kind of. You had to do it a certain way. You had to call. You had to call a prophet of presbytery, and you had to make it fast three days just to be a candidate. And that and that got they got stuck with that. So when I broke out of the box <laughs> when I was in Texas and started and, and, and Florida and started moving in other ways and training and equipping and prophesying over hundreds and thousands of people. I just blew their minds and said, you're just going helter-skelter. No, I just moved what God told me to do and did it, and we moved in. So that was a prophetic movement. And the prophetic movement restored 10 major things that was not restored with the Pentecostal or the Lateran movement. It was, uh, it was a move of God. I mean, it was Luba God, a Lateran movement. But the prophetic restored apostles and prophets back into the church and restored the fact that God's raising up a company of prophets to prepare the way, and the fact that the church has a job to do. You see, most denominations, even Pentecostals, see no purpose for the church except to win more to the church. They don't realize Jesus provided everything, paid the price, whipped the devil, restored, did everything, and then went to heaven and said, I give you all my power. I take all my ministry and put it in the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and I give gifts to the spirit. I give you my graces. I give you everything. Now you go and finish the job. I've got a plan, a purpose. And God raised the church up with a purpose. But Pentecostals, Baptist, Methodists, they don't see any purpose for the church except get more in the church. Well, God has a great big family to heaven to go to heaven, be all good for nothing. No, God's raising up a people to fulfill his will, and not only here, but to be co-laborers with him throughout eternity. Yep. It's so and, critically and, important that we minister to people today. It's not just our four and no more. Yes. It's us reaching out, getting the gospel message, ministering healing, ministering the power of the Holy Spirit, touching people's right. lives, prophesying over them, casting out demons, doing the things that Jesus told us to do. Right. You know, during 2021, I was on the Zoom with about 100 prophets around the world through that time. And all of us sense the same thing. We're on the edge of the greatest demonstration of God's glory ever recorded in church history. I We're on the that. edge of the great end time harvest. And I'm telling the people, I say, get ready. It's coming. I, I'm planning on preaching until 95 and then side where I go on or go up. <laughs> Bishop, I'm so grateful to you uh, for being uh, on this podcast today. What, folks, what you just received is a true history lesson of the body of Christ all the way from uh, after, the, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through the dark ages, all through the, uh, all the movements that have come through. You, you got a history lesson just now, and I hope you're paying attention like I was. <laughs> Praise God. Bishop, before we close, would you be so kind as to pray over those that are watching and listening? And then also, yeah. I'd like to ask a personal favor. Would you pray over me? I would yes. covet your prayers. Yes. Amen. Father, right now, I pray for your servant, your son, Richard Roberts, right now. Lord, I remember when I prayed for him way back before when his dad alive and said he'd, be, he'd take over the presidency for a while of the university, and God would use him like he did his dad, and he would be moving mighty. And the Lord says, son, your greater days are still ahead of you. I am about to open doors beyond your wildest imagination. I'm about to release a miracle ministry 
as you've had, uh, uh, you had a creek, but I'm going to make a flooding river. Out of your innermost spirit will flow rivers of healing, miracles, signs, and wonder. And you won't have to lay hands on them for hours. You won't have to pray for them hours. God said you'll speak the word, and it's going to happen. And God said you've seen it in the spirit. You've heard it in the spirit. Yes. Now you're going to do it, said the Lord. And get ready for the glory. There's going to be a glory release. The Lord said you've been faithful to use what I've given you. And they're just like, I came to the servants, the one that used the five and doubled it, I, I blessed it. One who used the two, I doubled it and blessed it. And the one that didn't use it at all, I took away. And the Lord said, because you've been willing to use what you had and you first step me to do more and you first step me to, Lord, I want to do this and I want to do that. And the Lord said, now you're going to do that. But I want to check you out first to see if you'd be faithful in the small thing, even in the tests and trials I took you through, even the heartaches and the sorrows you had to go through. The Lord says, you passed the test. Now I'm going to give you my best. And the Lord says, look forward to the greatest days you've ever seen of ministry, healing. You're going to have mass healings and mass miracles in nations in the United States and around the world. And the Lord says, son, I'm not through with you yet. We're just getting started good. Praise and God. You may be in your 70s, but you're going to move on up to your 90s. So don't worry about it. You're going to press on into a victory. As your days are, so shall your health be. So shall your strength be, and you're going to inspire your family, and you're going to inspire many others. And the Lord says, maintain it. And I'm telling you, I'm seeing other people out there. You're listening, and you've been wondering, where am I, God? God says, I've had you in the preparation. I've had you taken through the wilderness to check you out to see if you're ready for battle. But now you pass the test. We're at the end of the wilderness season. Now we're in the year here coming up. And he said, 2022 and 2023 is going to be crossing over Jordan. Getting into your promised land and beginning to take the authority. Get ready, church. You've been everything you've been longing for, looking for, and believing for. While the world is shaking, or wars and rumors of war are going on, you're going to rise up. Isaiah 61 through 3 is going to be fulfilled. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Let me tell you, you're not you're not backslid, you're not doing nothing. You've been in a winter season, but your roots are going down deep. And even though the leaves are gone and the sap's down and the fruit's not there, spring is coming again and your sap's going to flow. Your leaves are going to grow and fruit's going to be bigger and better than ever before. Your winter season is coming to a close. Spring is here and there's a new flow of the spirit. God's getting ready to release his glory. God told me last year between October and April, he was going to check everybody out. And those that were using what they had, he was going to give them the glory. Those that weren't using what they had, he's going to pass them by because he's going to do a quick work. He's going to do a great work. And he needs people that's going to be obedient and start doing what he gives them to do. So get ready. You're going to do things, things you've seen, prophecies you've received, visions you've had. Don't give up. You're going to do it now. You're, the past is gone. Forget the past. There's a new day has dawned. We're in the third reformation. And in the third reformation, it's miracles, signs, wonders. It's fulfilling all prophetic scripture. We're preparing the way for the king. And we're going to see the army of the Lord arise and do miracles, signs, and wonders. Satan, they whole nations are going to be saved. The greatest revival in history is just before. Saints, I'm 88 in July, but I'm pressing on. I'm believing for the fullness. And I'm telling you, it's great. It's great. 
Get encouraged. I don't care how where you're at now. Just shake off the old and rise to the new because God's going to use you in ways all his word will come to pass. Not one word will fall to the ground. You will do and fulfill all the word God has given you. God bless you and press on. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah Bishop. Oh, I receive that. I receive that. I receive that. And uh, I'm telling you, Bishop, Bishop has no idea the things that I've been telling God. And he just spoke to me things that God's speaking back to me. I receive that. I know you receive it as well. Bishop Hammond, thank you so much for being with I'm me today. You. Amen. Joy to be here. Good to Joy see to you, be man. with you. Good to see you again. God richly bless you. Praise God. Yeah. We'll, we'll work again together. Do you have a, oh, by the way, two things. You have a book there in front of you you'd like to offer, tell people about? Now, this is the book, my 15th book. Now, I've written a lot of prophetic books and apostolic books, but this one is Your Highest Calling. If you understand the truth here, you can, you, you, your highest calling is not to be the greatest apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the greatest miracle worker. Your highest calling is to be conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. And once you understand the truths in this book, you'll never ask why again. Now, I know, Robert, your life probably hasn't been just smooth all the way. You've had some heartache, mind-blowing, world-shaking situations. That's right. Everybody that's called to be like Jesus and to rule and reign with him are going to go through at least three heartbreaking, mind-blowing, world-shaking situations. You think, oh, God, where are you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You'll feel like Jesus. But listen, all things work together to form the Christ nature in you. And this book shows you how the, how the process of conformity and the law of transformation. And you, you know, I can't take you from going through the process, but I can help you go through with understanding and faith so you're not so discouraged. Now, aren't you also launching a new e-course in September? Yes. In, in September, I'm starting another e-course on profits, pitfalls to avoid, and principles to practice. And I believe you order this book, uh, sign up for his, for his e-course coming up in September. ChristianInternational.com. Bishop, God bless you, and thank you so much for being with me. And thank you for joining me today on Expect a Miracle. I'll see you next time. God bless. Text giving is now available. If you're in the USA, text RRM to 833-881-6442. Now, if you're in Canada, text RRM Canada to 77977. Your generosity makes a difference.